Hi, everybody. I'm Amira Lawson, and this is With That Said, the podcast looking to inspire young millennials who are looking to excel in the workplace. I'll be here with you every week, and together we'll go on a journey through corporate culture, one episode at a time. If you like my content, please don't hesitate to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to email me at withthatsetpodcast at gmail.com. I love listener letters and I'm interested in hearing your stories. You can also follow me on Instagram at withthatsetpodcast. And you can stream me on YouTube under withthatsetpodcast. I look forward to hearing your stories and sharing in your joy as we take this journey through corporate culture, one episode at a time. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to episode two. If you made it this far, then that means you are my biggest fan, and I owe all of my success to you. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you so much for coming back for episode two. We're going to have a great time this episode, and we're going to get into an even more exciting topic, which is leveraging and defining your personal brand. I'm going to show you how the 12 days of Christmas is going to help you execute against who you are in the workplace and help you really take your professional career to the next level. Now, if you haven't listened to episode one, stop. Do not pass go. I know you play Monopoly, so no, you're not collecting $200. You need to stop here, do a U-turn, go back to episode one, and take a listen. It's some really good information about figuring out what motivates you in the workplace and how what motivates you can help you leverage and execute against getting your next promotion. So, I mean, everyone wants to get promoted. So absolutely take a listen. Okay, so back to episode two. Just so you know, I'm here recording episode two with my husband. His name's Robert. He's my editor-in-chief. Chicka, chicka, yeah. So if you hear him dropping anecdotally with some information, then don't be alarmed. He might laugh at a couple jokes or I might ask his opinion about something. He's just here for support, you know, because... It gets kind of weird talking to yourself for a while. So thank you again for tuning into episode two. It's going to be one you don't want to miss. Now let's get into it. Okay, so I know you're thinking, why in the world are we talking about Christmas? Well, Christmas is my favorite holiday. I was born in August and pretty much after that, I could care less. In fact, for Halloween, I gave out candy canes. So sorry, Timmy, if you came to my house, you got a candy cane. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously... Christmas is my favorite holiday and I just try to like look for ways that I can remember important things in my life. And so I thought, you know, the 12 days of Christmas, like what a memorable song is something everybody knows and everybody can relate to. So I want you to use this song as like a mnemonic device for how you can leverage and define your personal brand. Now I want you to know up front, we are absolutely not going to go through the whole 12 days of Christmas because that would take forever and no one, nobody's got all day. But if you got your coffee and you're on your way to work, we're going to start from day five, right? Day five. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. we're going to take it down to day one. Um, So if you know the song, hold on, let me clear my throat. throat) I'm going to give you some vocals. In three, two, one. On the fifth day of Christmas. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Wait. Cut, cut. Try that again. I can sing. Hold on. On the fifth day of Christmas, Amira gave to me five golden rings. 
four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. And you gotta kick it old school. Remix on the fifth. Oh, it's like, no, just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but yeah, so that's a good mnemonic device that you're going to use during this episode to help you remember how to leverage and define your personal brand. So five days of Christmas, let's get into it. So let me set the stage. I'm 25 years old. I had just left a very small company, intimate work environment, extremely, extremely difficult which is a nice word for hostile. Um, and I just remember every day when I used to work at the old company, I got immediate and direct feedback about my performance. So if I was doing well, I knew it. If I was doing bad, I knew it. No delay, immediate feedback. And then I got a job in corporate America, working for a financial services company, large company, multi, multi, multi-billion dollar financial services company. And they hired me as an assistant. So I'm thinking, I mean, I just left being an assistant. This really can't be that difficult of a job. So I go to work and for the first day, everything's great. And three months in, I'm thinking things are going well, but I kind of don't really know. Um, And then by month four, still no feedback about my performance. I didn't know if I was coming, going, doing well, not doing well. And I remember waking up one day and looking at myself in the mirror and being completely and utterly perplexed. I I literally probably had a panic attack. Like, am I going to get fired tomorrow? My 90-day probation had just expired. I didn't know what the heck was going on. And so as I'm driving to work, I remember pulling over to the side of the road and just sending out a text message to five of my closest friends. Hi, you see I did that? Five golden rings. And so I sent it out to not just friends, but family members. So I sent a text to my mom. I sent a text to a sis- to my sister, and I sent a text message to three friends. And me. Can't forget about me. I was in there, too. Oh, back then, were you my boo thing? I was your boo thing. Oh, well, all right. Well, he wasn't a friend. <laughs> Gotta clarify. Yeah. So, so I sent him a text, and I just remember thinking, you know, tell me what my greatest strengths are in five words. And... You know, as the text messages started rolling in, I realized that all of them were really describing me in the same way. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go through all five of the words they used to describe me, but some of the themes that came up was that I'm a hard worker, I'm determined, and I'm a good teacher. Um, So I was like, okay, well, that kind of made me feel good. But you know what didn't come up? What's that? The fact that I'm a bomb-ass singer. Oh, God. I'm glad you know, that didn't come up. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'll be busting vocals in the shower, so I was a little offended, but I'm going to let that slide. Just, right. But I am a good singer. Um, another thing that came up that I was kind of funny. Now, I don't think I'm funny, but I'll let you all be the judge. But anyway, so those are the five things. They, they gave me five words to describe myself, and a few of the words were similar, or if not exactly the same thing. So I thought, wow, I wonder if this is my personal brand. And so... Even though I didn't feel that way intrinsically about myself, I felt like if this is the way that my family and closest friends and husband and people that I love are describing me, then it must be what I'm going to, I've since coined my perceptive brand. So a perceptive brand is what other people think about you and how you present yourself to the world. Now that might not always align to who you think you are, but in the workplace, 
that's who you are is what people think about you. Your perception, right? Yes, perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's who you are. So I, I said to myself, okay, I need to find out if these are going to be the ways that my managers would describe me. So after my 90 days roll through, my manager calls me to the office. I'm sweating. I don't know what's about to happen. And she reads me my... Um, evaluation and she goes oh you know some of the feedback that I've gotten from some of the managers you support is that you're a very hard worker you're extremely determined and they could not believe how fast I had onboarded um considering I had never worked in in banking the way that I was at this point and so it shocked me because I, I was like wow this is exactly how my family and friends just described me and here I am reading it in my 90-day review and honestly it was the biggest badge of verification I could have ever gotten and I began to just live by that mantra so any opportunity I got at that job to like teach people or be a mentor or um, express myself or illustrate that I was determined to figure things out and troubleshoot and solve problems I took advantage of it so if there was an issue I was going to be the first one to try to figure out how to solve it. If there was a stretch project, I always raised my hand. I wanted to, to, to live by the brand that my friends had helped me create for myself. So that's your five golden rings. Five friends, tell them to describe you in five words, find the common themes, and make that your personal brand. For me, it ended up working out. I have to tell you, I started out as an assistant. Within six months, I had gotten my first promotion. Six months after that, I had more than doubled my salary, and it's all using the techniques you're about to get here today on this particular podcast. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the four calling birds, right? So the four calling birds, when you think about the Christmas song, is mockingbirds. So they repeat what you say. It's going to be the people that you have in your workplace that you're going mm -hmm. to be like, who can I rely on? Who can I leverage? Who's going to vouch for me in meetings? Um, so your first calling bird, you want to look for somebody in the office who you have a really good relationship with. But this needs to be like a coworker. Like, so for you, mm -hmm. it would be somebody who you feel is a peer. Um, and it would be an, someone who's not at your same level, though. So okay. it would be like an assistant for your department. That makes an excellent mockingbird. Why an assistant? Because they usually have a dotted line connection to the manager in that particular department. And they're going to be able to vouch for you from a personality perspective. So it's not somebody who has any idea about your day-to-day -day work, but someone who can know you as a human being. Now, you need to build an authentic relationship with this person. So I am not under any circumstances advising you to like use someone because that's not going to help you. It's not going to help them and you're going to get found out. It should be somebody that you actually do like, somebody who you do want to hear about their kid's first tooth. You want to see their holiday pictures. You enjoy going to lunch with them. But here's the, here's the reality of it. When you're hanging out with this person, do not, under any circumstances, talk about any confidential information that only they will be privy to. One, because the relationship will seem usury, it will not seem authentic, and honestly, they're not going to be able to support or advocate for you if you're just using them to, like, get inside scoop. So if that's what you need, do not, do not, under any circumstances, cross that line. Um, and also keep it 100% authentic, you know, someone who you really enjoy. What about gossip? Should you gossip with this person? Absolutely not. This could be somebody that you can feel connected with as a friend. Like, mm -hmm. don't, not, not water cooler chatter, but somebody who you would tell about your children, about their doctor's appointments, about personal things that's going on with you, but not work gossip. Like, your relationship with this person should be almost all non-work related. So someone like that at the office who is not your direct coworker. So that's your first one. Your second one is going to be, um, 
a manager. Now, this manager should be at a level of your current manager, but not your direct boss. Now, why shouldn't it be your direct boss, right? They know about all your work. Well, yes, your direct boss does know about all your work. He's He or she might be privy to all the great things you do around the company. However, they probably are managing multiple people in the office who are also your coworkers. So they can't vouch for you on every project or else it's going to seem like favoritism or nepotism. Um, and, and that's not going to go well, but for so long. So you want to find another manager who's equivalent to your to your direct boss, who's going to be able to be that vouching mechanism for you on stretch projects. And the way you're going to introduce yourself to this manager is you're going to take overflow work from his team. If he has a problem that his team can't figure out, you're going to volunteer to help solve it. You're going to help him out whenever he or she needs some additional information or support. And you're going to be that that toolbox that they can leverage if they can't get what they need from their own team. So you want to find somebody like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then your third calling bird is going to be a mentor. Now I'm not going to go into too much detail about what a mentor is because that's going to be for another episode. Mm -hmm. um, maybe next episode, shoot me some, some feedback if you guys want to hear that next episode. But a mentor, a mentor is going to be somebody who's been at the organization for a very long time. Now, why, right? Because like, anyone could be your mentor. Your mentor should not be your homegirl. It should not be somebody from the IT department. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, if, if you want to go work in IT, you're looking for a sponsor. We'll get into that next. But your mentor should be somebody who's been at the organization for an extremely long time. Now, extremely long time is relative, right? Absolutely. You know, if you work for a very small company with a few employees, extremely long could be five years, right? Because that company might have a higher turnover ratio. But if you work for a large corporation, multinational or national organization, then your mentor should be someone who's been at the company for 15 years or more. Someone who's extremely seasoned. They've worked in multiple departments. They know everybody. They're well liked around the organization. And you're going to use this person as a resource, right? Keyword, resource. Not advocate, resource. You're going to go to this person when you have questions about how to navigate the corporate culture. You're going to go to this person about good books that you could read, about how to approach difficult situations at work, when to get in HR involved. I mean, it needs to be somebody who you have unbelievable, unequivocal trust with, and they trust you and you trust them. That's going to be your mentor, your resource. Now, for the good stuff... One question though. Wait, oh. So what happens if you have a, a person that, you know, who you feel that you can trust, who seems very smart and knowledgeable like yourself, but you haven't been on the job for, let's say, five to ten years? Like, can that person be your mentor, even though he has so much knowledge and everything else? But he has not been on a job for a long time? Correct. Um, I would not recommend using that person as a mentor if it's only been five years. Ten years, okay, you might want to consider it. If you know, Ten years is a long time too. But five years, I feel like it's not enough time for someone to be a really good mentor for you because they might not have experienced all the nuances of the corporate culture. I think ten years is a bare minimum benchmark, but my target and based on my own experience, would be 15 years. That would be my, my ideal person. 15 or more years with the organization is a good mentor if you're committed to the company. Okay. Um, and then um, a sponsor. A sponsor is your fourth calling bird. That's going to be the person that's going to advocate for you 
in the workplace. This person is ultra high level. It's not your boss. It's not your boss's boss. It might even be your boss's boss's boss. Now, you want this person to be able to walk into meetings and command attention. When we talked about in first episode, right, we talked about people who are power motivated. This sponsor is probably a power motivated individual. They know how to get things done around the organization. They're cutthroat and they know exactly what needs to be said and how they need to say it. People respect them and some people might even fear them. But the bottom line is they get things done. And that particular sponsor has built a reputation on trust and commitment. Now your sponsor could also be someone who's achievement motivated because they'll help you as well or affiliation or a combination of all three. But my ideal thought for a sponsor would be someone who um, might be power motivated or achievement motivated would be the two personality types that I would look for. Um, But you don't want someone who's like a Hitler and and is going to be let go. You want someone who's competent, good at their job, but knows how to execute. So that's going to be your sponsor. They're going to vouch for you and push projects. They're going to help you get promoted. They're going to say Amira or Bobby or Michelle is fantastic. And everybody's going to believe them because they said it. So that's going to be your fourth calling bird. So now we'll get into the next segment, which is the three French hens. So the three French hens, if you really think about it from like a biblical standpoint, this is the only one that's a little bit more literal. Um, So in the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, the three French hens represent hope, love, and faith. So those are true guiding principles that I would advise you to take into your life um, and especially into the workplace. So the first one I'm going to focus on is love. So love Um, obviously you have to really love what you do. So none of this is going to work. This brand building, this understanding, having self-awareness, understanding what motivates you and all of the other topics we're going to talk about as we move through this podcast. Um, the most important is love. You have to have a fundamental love for what you do in order to be successful. Now, is there an option where you could be successful even though you don't love what you do? Absolutely. You can absolutely be good at your job, but not love your job. I've been there numerous times. um, And so I know what it's like. However, what I would say to you is that if you're working at an organization in which you don't necessarily love what you do, but you're lucky enough to just be extremely good at it. One thing I would say is you might want to implement these um, Christmas principles into your strategy because It is through those principles that you'll get those stretch projects and those push projects that's going to get you a little bit closer to finding something that you love within the organization. Um, And the second thing I would say is, or the second hint is faith. Now, this is where things get a little bit more tough, right? So faith basically means that you have to believe that if you've done all that you can for the organization that you've put your best foot forward, that you have to have faith and patience that it's going to work out for you the way that you intended to. Now, let's say if you've listened to the first podcast, we talked a lot about Cheryl. And in that podcast, Cheryl was a sort of water cooler chatter person. She came across as maybe perhaps a little lazy and people were um, a little bit concerned about Cheryl in my particular example. So if you're working at an organization and you've been there for a couple of years, I'm, I'm just going to use three years as a number because it's like not too new, but not necessarily a tenured employee. So if you've been there for three years um, and let's say things have 
gone a little bit too far. Perhaps maybe you've gossiped a lot. You've done a lot of water cooler chatter. You kind of do your work, but you've gotten a little bit off course. Um, but you want to know if this is a company where you can still grow at. Um, so if you're committed to the company that you work for and you're interested in seeing if you can sort of rebrand yourself, because I do believe that everyone deserves a chance to rebrand. Here's some advice I give you. Um, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do next, I'd ask that you find a senior leader in the organization, um, not a manager level, not your direct boss level, but probably a level or two above that. Um, and then I would seek out someone who's been at the company for a while, but is at a higher level who knows who you are. So this person should have an idea of who you are. Um, it shouldn't be a, someone blind that you don't know. Um, and then I'd ask you to send them an email. And you're going to say something very simple in this email. You're going to say, I'm just going to say his name is John for the sake of, of the argument. You're going to say, hi, John. Wanted to know if I could get 15 minutes on your calendar to get your advice about my professional growth and development. Now, how John responds to your email is going to let you know exactly where you stand in the organization. There's a few options. Option one, John will respond to your email right away. That would be fantastic. And he'll say, hey, Susan, or hey, Samantha, or hey, Michelle, I'd be more than happy to give you 15 minutes on my calendar. Please schedule it with whomever, or he may just suggest a date. If that does happen, here's the good news. Despite what you've done prior to sending that email, you are somebody who's looked at the organization as an asset. Perhaps maybe you're very good at your job and all the water cooler chatter you think you've been doing has not overshadowed your performance. So that's good news. There's, there's some hope and faith for you. Here's another scenario. You email John and you say, hi, John, would love 15 minutes on your calendar to get your advice. Now let's say John doesn't respond to your email. I'd ask you to wait a week. Give it a full seven business days. If John is someone who travels for, on behalf of the organization or he's not in the office all of the time, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, if you, if you don't hear back from John after a week goes by, I'd send a follow-up email one week later. And in that email, I'd say, hey, John, just wanted to push my email back to the top of your inbox. Wanted to know if I could get some time on your calendar. Now, at this point, you're putting John on a 48-hour window. If after two, uh, two days, he does not get back to you, you should take that as a relatively clear indicator that the company, at some fundamental level, has decided that while they're not going to terminate you, they're not quite interested in moving you forward in the organization. Now, there's a third scenario. There's a scenario in which you email John and you ask him for some time on his calendar, but instead of responding back to your email or deflecting or ignoring you, he instead catches you in the cafeteria. He runs up to you, bumps you on the arm and goes, hey, Michelle, got your email. Here's some things I think you can do. Now, you may think that if you're a newbie, this is a good, this is good, right? John got back to you, you, you know, but I caution you to think a little differently about that. Um, John's somewhat flippant response back to you could signal that he's just not rude. He's a nice guy. He's affiliation motivated and he believes in acceptance and camaraderie in the organization. Now, because John is affiliation motivated and believes in camaraderie, he's going to be nice and kind to you. He's not going to just blow you off. However, if that happens to you, I say you listen to what John has to say. 
You do not respond immediately during that conversation. You nod and you thank him. And then you go back to your desk and you send him an email and say, Hey John, really appreciate the quick conversation we had, but I'd still love to grab coffee and dig a little bit more into some of your ideas. If John responds to this email, then perhaps maybe there is some, there's still some hope and you can still maintain faith in the organization. Take his offer and have some coffee with John. Now, if John doesn't respond to your email, then he feel, felt that he's met his duty as a member of the affiliation team and he no longer believes that you're the asset you think you are to the company. And at that point, you have the power to make the decision you need to make. Now let's circle back for a minute. We talked about in scenario one, you sent John an email and he got back to you and actually gave you time on his calendar. This is where the real work begins. I'd ask you to go take, take a step back at home and make a list of questions that you want to ask John about how you can improve your performance in the organization. I'd also ask you to take some time to invest in him. Figure out what con contributions he's made to the organization. What are some big projects he might have worked on? How did he get to where he was? Make a list of questions. Check out his LinkedIn profile. Even Google him. Try to find some common ground between both you and John so that you can build a solid relationship. John might even turn into your mentor. And that brings us to our two turtle doves. The two turtle doves are going to represent two stretch projects at work. If you think about it, every company has an area of opportunity. If you can identify them and solve for them, you have a strong chance for success. For example, I realized that at my organization, there was an area of opportunity in the social media space. So I developed a presentation to showcase some of the best practices that I was already using in my current role to be successful, and I shared it with a few members of the leadership team. Ultimately, those best practices were rolled out on a national call. To give you a second example, I realized that a few of my junior coworkers wanted more credit education. Credit is an area that I'm quite passionate about. So I started coaching some of them on their credit skills, which led to me being able to teach an eight week credit course at my organization to a group of about 20 students, which was extremely well received. In the first example, I was only able to give that national call because I had a mentor to review and advise on my presentation and tell me if my best practices were in alignment with the organization's values. I also had a sponsor who was willing to get that presentation recognized across the organization. In the second example, I mentioned that I taught an eight-week credit course at my company. I was only able to teach that course because one of my calling birds, a manager from a different department, vouched for me as a resource for his team. I reached out to him a few times to coach some of his team members on credit. Had I not had his support as an advocate for me, I would not have been given the opportunity to teach that class to a group of young professionals. The most important thing you have to remember is you have to find things that you love and that showcase your unique gifts and talents. If you're a good teacher, then teach. If you're a problem solver, find an opportunity to provide a solution. And if your strength is your personality, then use that to network across different departments and show people who you are. 
as long as you have your golden rings and your own self-awareness, you can utilize your natural gifts to help you succeed. And finally, we have the partridge and the pear tree. In this example, you're the partridge or the bird and your pear tree is your extended network. This is gonna be a group of people who are not your best friends. They're not gonna be the people you grew up with and there may not even be people who've been at your, in your life for more than five years. Generally, these people or these pear trees are going to be a group of people who are professional, but not connected to your particular profession. So for example, I'm in the financial services space. One of the members of my peer tree works for a transportation company. Another one is a former professor. Neither of them are in any way connected to my internal network, nor are they people who I would consider to be my best friends. These are going to be people that are extremely professional, extremely knowledgeable, and offer a different perspective that you can bring back to your organization. To give you a little bit more information, one of the members of my peer tree inspired me to create this podcast. She inspired me by saying, I think you give a lot of good information and I think you should start a podcast sharing it with other individuals in your position. She sent me some information on how to develop a podcast 18 months ago. Isn't that remarkable? And I sat on that information, just quietly letting it percolate inside my mind. I've also acted as the champion for her business as well many times. And though we may not be considered best friends, she is someone who's critically important in, for, in terms of my peer tree. Also, I mentioned the prof former professor, also equally important in my peer tree. She is a woman that I lean on frequently for advice whenever I'm going through a difficult situation that I don't necessarily want to involve someone at my organization, not even my mentor. It's going to be someone who's lived a little, who's faced some challenges, and who's persevered out on the other side. You're going to need someone like that to stand behind you when times get a little tough internally. So let's circle back for a moment as to why I created this podcast. If you made it this far, then perhaps maybe you're wondering, where did this come from? So I created this podcast because I found myself in corporate America as a young African-American woman, completely confused, perplexed, and not really understanding how to navigate the landscape in front of me. I went looking on the internet to find someone who looked like me, who experienced something that I had been through, and who could give me sound advice. When I couldn't find the resources that I was looking for, I realized that I'm pretty positive I'm not the only one in this situation. There has to be tons of millennials who may not even be African American who truly need this information. So I created this podcast because I want to inspire young professionals that, and to know that they can do anything they put their mind to. That this world, this professional world is our oyster and we can take it by storm as long as we see and know how. So when I introduce myself in the next podcast, I'll no longer be saying that I'm your host, Amira Lawson. Instead, I'll be saying I'm your inspiration coach because I don't want you to look at this podcast and think that you have to be anybody but yourself. 
It is your own unique values and what you truly contribute authentically to this world that's going to make you successful. You're not going to be able to follow my roadmap step by step and have it work out for you as perfectly as you may think it's worked out for me. In later episodes, we'll talk a lot more about some challenges that I've faced, some huge mistakes I've made, and how I recovered from them. And together, we'll learn that it's through perseverance, through commitment, and through belief that we can achieve our dreams. And with that said, stay tuned for our next episode. And as always, Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year, you filthy animals. (laughs) 